Hello, and welcome to yet another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I'm your host, Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Today we have four fantastic guests with us. We've got Kevin Vredevogue. Hello, thanks for having me. Tony Huff. Hi. <laughs> I was not ready for you to come to me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Wilcox. It's great to be back. And Doug Gopesky. Hooray! And so we're back with another Mary Marvel movie march for you. Uh, I know we had some conversation last time about whether this would be Marvel or not since we just did Age of Ultron, but Charlie did not want to lose that sweet, sweet momentum we've built up. So here we are doing the, I can't believe I'm saying this, the 50th installment of the Mary Marvel movie Woo! march. Woo! Wow! Yes! It is the July 2015 movie, Ant-Man, the end of Phase 2 of the MCU. Also, uh, another special milestone that we've reached is that in terms of length, it's kind of exciting to say this, but the Mary Marvel movie march has a longer span of time than the Trump administration. Hey! Hey! Wait, does that mean we're talking about politics again on the podcast? Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's not, he's, he has exactly two months left to go. That is true, but we started this two months before he was inaugurated as a way to cope. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Does that mean that we'll be able to talk about po- uh, politics on the podcast again? Uh, it's possible. We, Part uh, of the issue was just can... listening to the, the pre-Trump election podcasts where it's just like oh wow that guy's gonna lose this is terrible and then it was just like no we jinxed no you're stupid yeah (laughs) well yeah i think it was the faux debate thing that came true (laughs) that we did several years before (laughs) yeah i was gonna say wasn't that like 2012 yeah it was so we were off by four years but yeah But yeah, talk about politics more if you want. If you want to discuss the Michigan-Minnesota mess up, feel free. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I just, All right. I like, I like knowing that I can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's really just Trump administration stuff. And there's like none, none of this is going to stick in anyone's mind. No one is going to remember any of this. So if you bring it up in the podcast. People will have to Google just to get the jokes. Really, really. <laughs> and that's different from any time. Short span of time. Yeah. And that's different from any time Doug says anything that, you know, people don't ever have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Got called out. I mean, we discussed some very timeless memes on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking a little bit tonight. So, uh... well, maybe we should get started and talk about Ant Man instead of politics. Like I said, I just like knowing that I can. Okay. I I I don't know how I feel about knowing that you can. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Charlie, this was a bad idea. We better cut this. <laughs> Ant-Man. Yeah, the end of phase 2 of the MCU. It's the story of one Anthony Ant-Man. Um they call him Dennis for some reason though, but uh he he is uh, next in line to inherit the Isle of Man, which apparently there's some obscure legal documentation involving Parliament. Uh, didn't quite follow all the details because there was a lot of British parliamentary procedure in this movie. But I 
think the upshot was that he gets the Isle of Man and he falls in love but has to deal with an infestation of yellow jackets. And then they sting him and then he doesn't die, but he does watch my girl. So (laughs) nice. It's a it's a good way to spend four hours of your time. (laughs) It's an hour and a half of that him watching my girl. (laughs) (laughs) But like on a on a CRT full screen (laughs) cannon scan. So it's sort of framed. (laughs) And, you know, I like the part where he has to pause because he needs more snacks. Yeah, (laughs) it gives you a chance to get snacks. Yeah, that's why I think that's why he says. Well, this would be a good time for everyone here to get snacks. Stares directly <laughs> into the camera, speaking to the audience. <laughs> Charlie, three sentences or less. The real synopsis of Ant-Man. Michael Douglas plays Hank Pym, a scientist who has discovered how to shrink matter, uh, but still make it super strong. And he enlists Paul Rudd to help him foil the evil plot of his ex-protege to exploit that technology for money and evil and evil oh yeah there's, there's evil here too it's not just money also evangeline lily is in here as hank pym's daughter uh hope I hope. Think. hope hope hank pym is the only name i really remembered from this movie mostly because <laughs> he's been mentioned so many times in the scott march lang? you never pick up scott lang scott lang nope 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 i don't was that ant-man <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's yes, yes. titular <laughs> character. Mm. I assume Charlie checked out immediately when he saw the opening sequence was in Shield. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Luis. Yeah. I remember Luis. That's about it. <laughs> Cassie. Those are the two names I got. Hank Pym. Okay. So the question to begin: Have you seen this movie before? And once again, as with MCU movies, yes, I'd seen it multiple times. Saw in the theaters. Bought the blu-ray 3d combo pack actually because it was somehow cheaper than the regular blu-ray it was like a pre-order thing you know watch it a few times since although not in 3d because no one has 3d technology in their homes outside of a 3ds and it's not compatible anyway next it's the true way to watch it man <laughs> on your 3ds <laughs> yeah <it looks. laughs> 3d like 240p or whatever it is <laughs> Um, I saw Ant-Man in the theater. Thought it was great. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> haven't seen uh, it since. <laughs> I I don't know if I've seen it since. Other than just now, you mean? Other than just now, uh, unless you were off watching on cinema instead. No, I actually watched it this time. In fact, I like had to go to the bathroom like a half hour in, but I just kept. I powered through. It was too good. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I have to say, I really don't think I've seen it since the theater. It's possible I saw it twice in the theater. Unlikely, though. So I don't know why I'd forgotten this, but Edgar Wright was originally directing this no, no, film. No, 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 no. Well, I, I want to say That's I was... question. I Yeah, did Edgar Wright kidnap you? I really wanted to see this movie when Edgar Wright was attached, and as soon as he wasn't, I lost all interest in it, and thus I have never seen this movie until today. But I still heard it was pretty good, so I I just never really had the opportunity, I think. And plus the usual of, uh, I knew it was coming up at the march, so. Uh, I had seen this movie in theaters when it came out, and I believe today is the first time I've rewatched it. 
I definitely saw it at least once in theaters and then a handful of times during rewatches leading up to other Marvel movies, probably once for Ant-Man 2, Endgame, maybe Civil War. So a handful of times before today. I, I can't remember how many times I've watched this movie. I think I had seen it twice. Kind of like you, Kevin, where okay. before watching like Infinity War and Endgame, um, I, I I rewatched the like kind of a, a little bit leading into it. So um, I think this was my third watch. It could be my fourth, um, but I really enjoy the film, so I could watch it right now again. So before we get into the movie proper, we should probably talk a little bit about the production history, as Charlie kind of obliquely mentioned, because it's a little more interesting than most of the MCU films. So apparently there was actually low level talks to do this like a long time ago in like the 20th century. Didn't really go anywhere. I think Howard Stern of all people was interested at one point. Not sure how credible that was, but the upshot was that Edgar Wright came along and was pretty interested in it. And uh, he started talking to Marvel and working on it. And this was about 2006. And uh, I know that Kevin Feige and some of the other production people are on record as saying that Edgar Wright's vision for Ant-Man was a pretty big influence on how they decided to approach the MCU. But uh, Edgar Wright had, you know, lots of other stuff to work on. In the meantime, he was doing Scott Pilgrim. He was working on the Cornetto trilogy. Um, So that's things like The World's End. The way Marvel was throw described, but Stan Lee has basically said, look, uh, Ant-Man's great, but he's not like one of our lead characters that we have the rights to. So we're content to let him sort of sit on the back burner. Edgar Wright was attached to it for quite a while. And then in about 2014, he decided to leave the project. Uh, he later said basically that he had wanted to make a Marvel movie but he felt like they didn't really want an Edgar Wright movie at that point. One of the interesting things regarding that sort of situation is that Kevin Feige was pretty publicly on record as being supportive of Edgar Wright. And there were some rumors at the time that Edgar Wright stepped down that his vision was too far out. And Kevin Feige said, you'd have to be pretty far out for us to not want to do it. No, that's not the reason. The rumor, although it's not been confirmed, but it's been kind of confirmed, is that this is another example of the Marvel Creative Committee sticking their nose in and Edgar Wright deciding that he didn't want to deal with this. Supposedly, they were giving him notes that he didn't want. So Edgar Wright and uh, his uh, writing partner, Joe Cornish, who's also known for things like directing Attack the Block, uh, they had been working on the script. And then apparently at some point, Someone at Marvel had requested a new draft without their involvement. And that that apparently was the point at which Edgar Wright really became disillusioned and decided to leave the project because he felt like they were no longer interested in the Edgar Wright film. They were just using him as a director for hire. As I said, this seems to be not confirmed, but seems to be related to the problems that Joss Whedon was encountering on Age of Ultron and that the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige are going to encounter on Uh, Captain America Civil War. We'll talk more about that, but that's going to end up being the final straw for the Marvel Creative Committee. But anyway, Edgar Wright steps aside. Um, He had cast most of the characters, I think, up to this point. So Paul Rudd was his casting. Michael Douglas was his casting. Uh, I believe Evangeline Lilly was his casting. But Peyton Reed came on. And in the meantime, 
Adam McKay, the uh, director of Anchorman, among many other things, uh, was brought in to work on the script with Paul Rudd, and they kind of did their own draft of it. Peyton Reed came on board, and they kind of added some new things that weren't in the Edgar Wright version. Uh, the Quantum Realm apparently is uh, an invention of theirs. The inclusion of the original Wasp, Janet Van Dyne, I think, is an inclusion of theirs. Uh, and actually... Somewhat ironically to me, the part that feels the most Edgar Wright of the movie, which is the Louise narration scenes, uh, that's actually not Edgar Wright. That is uh, an invention of Peyton Reed, Adam McKay, and uh, Paul Rudd. The main things that stayed in place from the Edgar Wright version, which as you may or may not have noticed, he, he and Joe Cornish do get credit, uh, was the basic shape, the idea of making a heist using Scott Lang, who was the second Ant-Man in the comics, and... Uh, I think specifically the Thomas the Tank Engine fight scene in the third act of the movie yeah. uh, was a, it was an Edgar Wright idea. So yeah, well, I think once uh, Peyton Reed came on board, things more or less went reasonably smoothly, and we ended up with the movie we got. So what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is... Ageless? He's ageless. That's true. He... Like, if you would ask me the question, what celebrity would you want to have dinner with? That would genuinely be my answer. Not have, like, not even having watched this movie. It was like, yeah, Paul Rudd. He seems like a fun guy. And, like, you would actually listen to your stories and laugh at them, even if they weren't funny. Oh, wow. That's kind of sad. No, but they would be funny. I mean, I'm just saying. He would be very polite. And you would feel like he had a good time, even if he didn't. I've never thought about this before, guys. I don't think about this once or twice a week. It's like you're assuming this dinner is going to go terribly. Yeah. I'm just saying it couldn't. Happen. It couldn't go terribly. That's why I would pick him. Yeah. <laughs> because even if it did go terribly, he would feign any type of. <laughs> well, yeah, he's an actor. <laughs> Uh, just the way you initially said it, Charlie, it was just, it was kind of sad. <laughs> how disappointing I am. Yeah. <laughs> I still find value in my existence. Charlie, the Eeyore of the... <laughs> That's probably the, true. The dinner <laughs> dates. Oh, I just thought of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> but I do agree. I mean, he's a very... He's the most huggable Marvel character. Paul Rudd is just a very friendly looking dude. It's hard to hate him. And he's, at least in the movie, like they depict him to be like really smart. And I always forget that he's smart because uh, he just kind of has that like goofball aspect to him, too. You know, so um, when Mike uh, was it, uh, Michael Douglas, when he does that, like that big speech, and it's like, I don't want to call it a pump up speech, but. I don't know. And he's like, oh, wow, that's like a really great speech. Like he just says some like really like weird things where you're like, is he as smart as he is? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they... <laughs> I mean, so many characters in the Marvel universe have like 14 PhDs. And I remember him specifically saying he just has a master's degree in electrical engineering. So relatively <laughs> speaking, yeah, you know, lower end of the spectrum, I guess. He is the stupidest of the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> It was just a long way for me to say that I agree with Charlie. <laughs> so good job, Charlie. Yeah. It, that being said, I was a little bit with this movie. I wanted more like goofball Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. But that's just because well, I'm such a huge you... fan anyway that I was like, just 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 make the whole movie Paul Rudd. 
Who's this Michael Douglas guy? Blu-ray, <laughs> and then you watch the special features. Oh yeah, get all the outtakes like and such. The gag reel. Yeah. yeah. Oof. There was a because Brand wanted to watch the gag reel right after, so we did. There's a great bit with him and Greg Turkington at the end, where he basically says something like, uh, "What what could you say to let me keep my job here at Baskin Robbins?" And Greg Turkington's like, "Well, you know, you could say that you own Baskin Robbins and you've decided to take it in a." new direction uh, regarding your employment of criminals and ex-coms and stuff like that. And Paul Rest is just like, you know, get this shit, Cold Stone Curie Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they cut that? That's brilliant. <laughs> Probably because Greg Turkington broke at that point. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, as an aside, uh, when I saw the live on cinema show um greg turkington kept on bringing up that he was in ant-man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great it's a, it's a thing he likes to bring up <laughs> wait is is that why tim heidecker's in the sequel then i think it is yeah probably <laughs> oh <laughs> i do have a question about his character which is okay so he went to jail for one heist right but he's really good at heists. Is oh yeah. Was he like doing this other times too? I mean, I don't think we need to know that necessarily, but it kind of begged the question, like, oh, like well, maybe that's not the first one he's done. Yeah. And he's he's made friends in prison, so he seemed exactly. to be best friends with Louise, who seemed kind of seedy. So maybe yeah, they did maybe some that's practice it, yeah. heists before the big one. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought they met in prison. Oh, you're right. He's a cellmate. Yeah, they were cellmates. They were cellmates. Yep, 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 yep. So maybe they practiced while they were in prison, you know? Well, I just assume that uh, he did plenty of heists, and he only got caught for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> only yeah. got to get caught once. That's true. That is true. Then you learn your lesson. I liked this movie a lot as kind of a palate cleanser. Like, the fact that they went out of their way to say it was the official end of Phase 2, after, like, two movies in a row where the planet was going to get blown up, Earth and, uh, oh, goodness, Sandar, I guess, and Guardians of the Galaxy, respectively, I just loved how relatively low stakes this was. I know they indicated, like, oh, if Yellow Jacket technology got out, it could be a huge problem, especially if Hydra, who is apparently back, gets its hands on it. But like, I absolutely loved that the big final boss battle, uh, as we've already mentioned, took place in the daughter's bedroom in a Thomas the Tank Engine train set. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about the movie are how low the stakes are. Yeah, I That's... 100% agree with that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think my favorite part of the movie is when... Um... The train is bearing down on him. <laughs> like he's like, no! And they just cut back, and it just is like this, like really, like non like, story. <laughs> you know, just the the train just kind of falls off the tracks. It's like <laughs> it's your best joke derailment. in the movie, and it drives me crazy that they put it in all the trailers because, like, anyone who oh, sees really? trailers do it coming in. Whereas anyone who just you know even maybe today watched it fresh, yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I hate when they put the best the parts. Why do they? Why do they do that? They did that in Ragnarok too. I that makes me mad. Like you know, they they showed the Hulk and Ragnarok in the right, trailer. Yeah, it's so stupid, Adam. Why do they do this? Uh, I think it's partly because trailer people are more marketing people than film people, and so they're just trying to get things that look the best or play the best. 
like it hasn't really happened with Marvel, right? But Suicide Squad famously got re-edited because the trailer was nothing like the movie, but people loved the trailer. Oh, so they had to go remakes or like reshoot parts of Suicide Squad or re-edit it or something so that it was more like the trailer. <laughs> yeah, some of those additions were pretty glaringly obvious. But we'll get to that in like ten years or so when we do the DC movie spree. <laughs> ten years, wow. Mm-hmm. I like the optimism. <laughs> but, but yeah, Kevin, I, I I I also enjoyed the fact that it was just low stakes. You could watch this, and it like like I said, the world wasn't going to be blown up, and you weren't like on the edge of your seat, like oh great, we're all going to die. Like <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I was kind of like oh no when I saw them coming down on the avengers facility and i was like oh this is just gonna avengers up this movie (laughs) even even then though they bring in falcon yeah like iron man it's like you know it's an okay avenger low key (laughs) low stakes the falcon he's the one who they gave the job of guarding the facility (laughs) right well i do like that he he keeps an he eye has on like, away. Yeah, yeah that's and he's true. got like he's, he's got, got the, the really yeah I was gonna say the vision yeah he's got the the sharp vision. You you guys are killing me here, Kevin mentioning something being low key. You mentioning the guy's vision. You, you're killing <laughs> me here. Absolutely killing me. Is there called Easter eggs? Wants to relive those Age of Ultron highs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the other things I like that are kind of related to that is because it's low stakes, it gives them the opportunity to do a different kind of movie in the framework. Like this, yeah. this is fairly explicitly not just like a superhero beat 'em up, whatever. You know, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of that, but it's pretty explicitly a heist movie for the vast majority of the time. And I really like that. Yeah. Like it shows yeah. that like, oh, these movies can do different things if they want to. Adam, are you are you eating the Thai food right now and having difficulty with the heat? Yes. It is, say, yeah, it was bad. It is Your volume is inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds really like bad. you're about to to cry from pain. <laughs> it seemed I like you're overly it, emotional about it. I don't know if you guys just appreciate how much I love the idea of a heist. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that they focused on him as a father being a large element of it, because it does kind of set him apart from, I think, every other character we've been introduced to so far, at least. Except Hawkeye, I think. But that was just last movie. Oh, that's just right. Last movie, yeah. Just the yeah, last that was movie. basically a retcon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. it. It had a real liar, liar, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not the callback I was expecting, but absolutely. <laughs> That's every every time I watch it, I always feel like it's just liar liar where he comes to like the to the uh the birthday party unannounced. <laughs> like you can't be here. <laughs> and instead, I... Paul Rudd becomes Ant Man instead of can't tell lies. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of related to that one of the nice things i like about this is that um what's the stepdad's name vince no paxton or something i don't know paxton that sounds right yeah yeah Yeah, paxton Paxton. jim paxton um i like how he's like i mean i guess he's not officially a stepdad because he's just the fiance but i like how he's not like the stereotypical overbearing 
stepdad asshole, right? Like, okay, yeah, he doesn't like Paul Rudd's character hanging around, but he seems genuinely affectionate towards Cassie and stuff. And yeah, it's I like well, that. So, yeah, but you're right. Leave they did in. a good job. Uh, he was. I don't even want to say an antagonist. I mean, he was kind of going after Scott for parts of the movie, but they never made him out to be like a really bad guy. Like he was doing completely reasonable things with this ex-con, you know, birth father of Cassie. They they never made him the butt of the joke that often. And he did seem to be a decent human being overall, which kind of was against uh, against movie tropes with a stepdad. You, you know, you, you mentioned that. And they definitely, if they had wanted to, they definitely could have made him into Inspector Javert. But it's nice that they didn't. Yeah, actually. Yeah. That's a reasonable point. Great job, Doug. That, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, it's so patronizing. History has been made. <laughs> I appreciated the Lay Miz reference as well. So extra points for that. I like how Scott Lang has the backstory that he's you know, done something good with the heist that like he's given back. He's done it specifically to give back to people. So he's done something good, but at the same time, he's paid like a huge price for doing that. So it's not, I don't know. I always felt the whole movie kind of conflicted about it. Like, should he have done that or not? Was that, um, was that the case in the comics? Does anyone know? Like, was he uh, a Robin hood or was he just a regular, like I steal guy thief? Uh... Some called (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I know he's a thief. My familiarity is primarily with the Hank Pym Ant-Man. Also, can we talk for a minute about how Charlie's clear implication there was that Robin Hood is a villain? <laughs> <laughs> it's a villain with a heart yeah, of look gold. Look at this guy just stealing from the rich. This is terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, stealing is stealing, Adam. <laughs> He should have gone to the police. Exactly. <laughs> Law and order. Through the court Law system. And <laughs> Law and order will prevail. So according to Wikipedia, comic Scott Lang is meant to be a reformed criminal. So that kind of goes in line with the Disney softening of some of these characters. Like he's a criminal. Yeah, but it was purely for good reasons. And Iron Man's not really an alcoholic. He just enjoys a drink every now and then. Yeah. Did you watch Iron Man too? I mean, again, they, they, they kind of touched on demon in a bottle or whatever the I, name of that plot arc was, but they didn't got quite it. go for it. I know what you mean. It's like, oh, we should handle Demon in the Bottle. All right, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) This says that uh, Scott Lang turned to Burgley because he didn't find electrical engineering exciting enough. Of course. (laughs) Classic reason for... Although apparently it got retconned that he did so to support his family. Electrical engineering wasn't supporting him. (laughs) I, I would like to ask, would you really believe Paul Rudd as a a hardened criminal I, I'll rather, admit, rather than a Robin Hood type. Even at the beginning when he's like holding his own in a prison fight, although it's a well-meaning prison fight, it's it's hard to take my vision of Paul Rudd and like attach it to that. Like that's uh, the casting is good. But the one thing that kind of holds me back is even the idea of Paul Rudd doing something bad for a good reason is hard to latch on to. See, so I'm not I'm saying it's not necessarily Disneyfication. It's just 
changing the the story to match the casting choice. Paul Rudd was too darn cute for the original story. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. (laughs) But I I just think that's more interesting setup is that, yeah, okay, he's, you know, been away from his daughter, but there was a reason for it. But was it worth it? Probably not. As opposed to him just being a criminal. And it's like, okay, this guy's a dirtbag and has to redeem himself. thought it was slightly more interesting. Which one's more interesting? The way it was done. I like the way it, the way it is. Oh, because your first time around did not sound like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not really into the whole uh, forgiveness thing there, are you? <laughs> You've got to earn it. He did his time, Charlie. He exactly. did earn it. He did his time. He didn't break out of jail. Couldn't hold down his job at well, Baskin Robbins. Well, he did at the, the beginning one time of the movie. During the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay, well, he broke out of jail. He didn't break out of prison. And it was only the first <laughs> time. The first offense at breaking out of prison. Exactly. Yeah. And they couldn't even charge him because he was processed correctly. Yeah, he was. Wait. Which was what another a nice point for uh, for Paxton. You know, that was, yeah. that was a nice little moment. So I didn't understand. So because he was processed correctly, does that mean he was just he was let go? That's what like, they're yeah. saying. Yeah. Okay. So there was no there's no malfeasance. Like it wasn't like, hey, we looked the other way and we just let you know, like we dropped all the charges. It's like, no, you still have charges against you, but we've processed you and you're in the system. You'll have to come into court uh, at a different date. Oh no, uh, I, I, I mean maybe, but I'm going to imagine that the the pims are dropping the charges. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because he was just stealing from them. Well, no, he was returning things that he stole earlier. Yeah. Dang, elf oh. lady called the cops. She did call the cops. Elf lady? She... Yeah, from the Hobbit. Oh yeah. Oh. Kind of blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Forgot about. That. I I'm kind of surprised she called the cops when she has access to all those ants. Like, why wouldn't she just take bullet ants and just bite them? Maybe the bullet ants would get injured as a result. Oh, so she's mm-hmm. thinking about the ants. Yeah, yeah, it's really. But then he would know about the about the ants unless he, he, he killed them. Used yeah. as to what was going on. <laughs> like when you break into a place and the cops pick you up, that's one thing. When you break into a place, leave, and you are suddenly covered in ants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It raises questions. It really would have advanced the plot at not the right time. (laughs) That's not what they were trying to do. (laughs) They still wanted him to be (laughs) Ant-Man. Would have had to rework the whole script. He would have had a grudge against ants. 100% of the way into the movie, Paul Rudd was eaten to death by ants. It would have taken a bit of a (laughs) That's why they call him Ant-Man. The guy who got killed by all those ants. (laughs) <laughs> so um so one of the other things i really liked about this movie is the backstory with michael douglas and i think part of that is because up to this point it's kind of felt like iron man was sort of year zero for superheroes it's like no one had ever tried to do anything superhero up to this point except for i guess like captain america but then there's like this gap of just like nothing between cap and iron man and this kind of says, well, no, there were other things going on. And so, like, we had Hank Pym being Ant-Man in, like, the 80s and stuff. And by the way, I actually thought the de-aging tech on his face in the opening scenes worked really well. It even Same. holds up surprisingly well, however many years later it is. Five yeah, years? five years. Yeah, I agree. I didn't even I didn't even notice or think about it. I 
disagree. I specifically noticed it, but don't have much to add other than that. It was very uncanny valley for me and because it was just okay. not well, quite. It was so close and there was just there was something there. Well, I think you're wrong. So okay. We should just <laughs> Your opinion is bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> exactly. It was it was to the point where I could tell which characters were going to be in the movie later. Like I knew the the Hydra guy. Right was going to be in the movie later because mm. i could see that his face was the one that wasn't quite right <laughs> but obviously john slattery was not i mean besides the fact we know who he is but then he wasn't going to be I in the movie i genuinely later. did not clock that like he gets punched in the face and then later he shows up in the in the movie and i was like oh does that mean they dh'd him in the first scene like i literally didn't even know <laughs> and i think to the degree i noticed anything about the michael douglas scene I think it's just because I know that Michael Douglas is older and I was looking for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think the fact that it holds up, even while looking for it, shows how impressive it is, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's, I guess we all know it's it's a game of like inches there, right? So you're either on one side of it or the other. And I for me, it was just, I think... And you're on the wrong side of history. Yeah, we <laughs> As we've proven time and time again through this march. <laughs> it's only because it, he was in the shield like area like that's that's the reason you didn't like yeah it. there's something wrong with all so, these people <laughs> yeah so in defense of charlie um uh. during that scene <laughs> i i can't quite i can't go as far as extreme of a position as charlie but during that scene uh at the beginning of the movie i was thinking is this de-aging technology this, I don't think this is just makeup on Michael Douglas. I think they're doing some, maybe some digital thing, but I can't really point it out. But did it take away from the scene? Not really, no. Yeah. I think the fact that you weren't certain is actually a tribute to how well it works. That you weren't just like, maybe they just taped his skin back, you know? The old men in black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me feel weird. <laughs> but yeah, I like that it establishes that there have been other superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe prior to Iron Man and and besides Cap. I really like that. So Hank Pym, I'm kind of wondering how he's presented in the comics because here, at least, because I remember you guys talking about beating his wife specifically. And so at the beginning of this movie, when he was sort of, I guess we find out it's protective of his daughter, but he was just being kind of an asshole. And I'm like, is this part of his character? <laughs> like, or uh, are there are there versions of him that are a nice guy or kind of nicest? He's very mentally unstable. So I think the part of the problem. Well, I think there's probably two things going on here. Thing one is just Hank Pym's pretty stereotypical early '60s marvel character which is to say he's fairly macho he's fairly dismissive of women yeah that's that's a larger problem with i think just the marvel books at that time it takes him a little while to get past that point of women are fragile and can be ignored um the other part is what doug's sort of getting at is that there's a fairly large plot line in avengers in the late 70s early 80s where they are showing that hank pym's growing a bit unstable and that at one point kind of culminates in the scene where he slaps the wasp, which I believe the comic book creators 
said they sort of got at cross purposes on that. And so they'd ended up in the comic looking worse than they had initially intended it to. But then they kind of just went down that path a little bit. So that's a long way of saying that uh, Hank Pym's kind of a jerk. Partly that's for plot reasons. Partly that's a misunderstanding that an understandable misunderstanding that kind of spiraled. And partly that's just because Hank Pym's also one of these characters. They don't really quite know what to do with in the books. (laughs) He starts out as Ant-Man. At one point he becomes giant man, which, you know, makes sense. But then he's giant man for a while. He takes on the identity of yellow jacket for some time period. Um, Hank Pym is kind of like Tony Stark, but almost redundant, even though he's one of the original Avengers and stuff. Yeah. um, For fans of the last movie in the comic books in the 2010s, he actually merges with Ultron. And he uh, he was the original creator of Ultron in the comics. Yeah. Yes. Although the original original one is something like he does it under the hypnosis of Ultron. He creates creates Ultron under the hypnosis of Ultron. He like creates a computer program, not realizing what he's done. The computer program hypnotizes him to finishing it and creating (laughs) Ultron. Something like that. We're classic computer uh, programs. Late sixties Avengers here. Yeah. Man, there's a whole world I'm missing out on. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I think because, yeah, Hank Pym in the comics is kind of inconsistent and problematic. I think making him the mentor figure here and not necessarily having to dive into any of that weird backstory, I think works pretty well for this movie. Yeah, the only the only thing that clocked weird about it was just knowing that there was some backstory that I wasn't familiar with based on what you had all said earlier. And I was like, am I supposed to be picking up on something? But yeah. So actually, I agree. I think it worked. As we mentioned in the comics, um, very much a checkered past, uh, you know, a hothead at times. And it was nice in the movie that Michael Douglas's portrayal was not a complete departure from that. Like he's still unpleasant quite a bit, but they do give you an in-movie explanation for why he is the way that he is. I agree. I like when he smashed the guy's face into the, the uh, desk. <laughs> That's a great way to start things. And then what did we think of uh, Evangeline Lilly as uh, Hope Van Dyne? Wait, not Hope Pym? I think she goes by Van Dyne, probably because right. she's supposed to be estranged from her father at this oh, point. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, I guess that kind of would be a, a harder sell to the, the Jeff Bezos character if, uh, if she were going by Hope him yeah real uh jeff bezos vibes from darren <laughs> from uh who is that it's uh, darren cross right but who's the name? actor um oh cory stoll cory cory stoll yeah yeah unless he always looks like that i guess i guess i don't know what cory stoll <laughs> normally looks like yeah that's what he looks like yeah okay well but like this photo he's got more hair so the fact that he oh, has yeah, no yeah. hair yeah but yeah hope van dyne what'd you think i thought evangeline Lilly did fine in it i i I feel like she kept making this face like she was kind of half constipated for like the first couple scenes in the movie but once her character started getting fleshed out i liked her a lot more yeah that haircut doesn't help her that did not help i assume that's meant to look kind of like a comic book haircut but 
Yeah, I don't think it works. <laughs> no, it doesn't do its character any favors. I love the haircut. What are you guys talking about? You're right. You I'm are going to be so disappointed in Ant-Man 2. So let me apologize in advance. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that she didn't have more to do, but that's based. That's what the script calls for, right? The Hank Pym is keeping yeah. her from doing things until you know the after credits scene, anyway. So yeah, it's just more more necessity than anything. Rudd. Oh, you're right. She did. Yeah, that, those were fun. Rudd. That was a fun part of the montage. Yeah. Were you aiming for my hand? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the biggest underutilization of the movie was, I think, Judy Greer showing up and me being excited to see her. And then I think she only gets like that one line and doesn't even really get to do anything comedically. She's got multiple lines. Yeah, she's in a couple scenes. She's got more scenes than she does in Jurassic World. (laughs) That's true. I mean, hey, I'm Judy Greer and I get to be in a Marvel movie. Get a paycheck. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not blaming her, but I'm just saying I wish they had given her something to do. Mm-hmm. especially you're right as a comedic actress she does have a couple lines later even she, you know freaking out that cassie has been attacked by a crazy wasp man but <laughs> they don't really use her comedic chops much mm-hmm. yeah i guess you can't use everybody huh yeah i mean yeah i thought it was kind of wild that uh they they put little uh van de Graaff generator looking backpack things on the crazy ants so that the crazy ants didn't have to sacrifice themselves when they sabotaged the servers. Yeah, I thought that was you nice. Know, in they... contrast to real life. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how they, they saved all the ants and made sure that they could get out. Yeah. Except yeah. Antony, who got shot to death, which <laughs> is, wow, is some impressive markmanship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is this on DoesTheAntDie.com? <laughs> ants are like dogs in this movie. <laughs> And the and the uh, the lamb that gets bites it. Oh, yeah, yeah. really enforce that Jeff Bezos is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos, killer of lambs. <laughs> At least thirty four, right? <laughs> yeah, I do like she he transitioned to murder a little bit more slowly across the movie because pretty much when we met him, he was already ready to just start murdering people. Yeah. So wait, wait, did he yes. murder a person and then the lamb? Yes. He kind of took a little bit of the, uh, the moment away. We'd already seen him kill a person. With yeah. the lamb. <laughs> and like the way he looks at himself, like the way that Jeff Bezos looks at himself, in the mirror. <laughs> like <laughs> that was an interesting like way to cut from that scene. Like it was like, what is he thinking? He's yeah. I I actually didn't quite. Understand. It was like slightly ambiguous to me. Darren Cross was a little underdeveloped, which is a classic Marvel Cinematic Universe villain problem. But it okay. was definitely oh. an issue here, compounded yeah. by the they killed him at the end issue. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and because yeah, there were some. There were some hints that he was suffering some sort of brain damage from experimenting with the pin particle equivalents he developed that I feel like got referenced, but not really developed much. Exactly. Like if they yeah. started him out much more level headed and then had that kind of develop over time, like we never got to see him without brain damage. So just someone saying, yep, classic Darren, he's got the brain damage. Doesn't really. <laughs> now, you know, I do. I 
I do have a question about that. Did they bring up that his brain was damaged early on? Or do we just hear that kind of in that standoff when Hope is like saying, you're not like this, that, you know, the particles are messing with your brain. It's like, definitely earlier than that. Hank Pym references yeah. the effect he does. it have on you. Yeah. yeah he, when he's describing the reason for the helmet to Paul Rudd, he says something like, you need the helmet or else it messes with your brain. Gotcha. Okay, so I, I must have missed that a couple of times. Yeah, I, I actually didn't really. I don't think I caught that part either. Well, I think that's kind of what we're getting at, is that it's a pretty subtle detail that's probably should have yeah. been developed. A bit that they more. don't bring up clearly until a standoff. Right. <laughs> when they need it. Yeah, it's not, it's not overt Yeah, until the standoff. <laughs> And he does have that like look like when she's trying to talk to him, but I don't know if that's him just acting and trying to get like a surprise shot in or not. You know what I mean? But like it seems like it's like registering a little bit like, yeah, you're right. And then he like he takes the gun and obviously tries to shoot Michael Douglas's character. It's getting to the point where I mean, I noticed it while watching this movie and really just watching movies in general. Anytime there's a large group of people together not wearing masks, I feel just like mildly tense. Like, oh, guys, you should not be yeah. doing that, this. That this party. Yeah, that that party where they're exactly. All dancing, yeah. yeah, I immediately had anxiety. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I only noticed that like I only noticed it a few times for me. And it was like, oh, when he got in the car with her, like, oh, guys. It's easy, you know, just put your mask on. Oh. <laughs> Somehow the party, I was like, eh, you know, kid's gonna party. <laughs> there was something I watched the other day. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was like Psych or something. Where one of the characters just like coughs or something. He's like, oh man, I feel like I'm coming down with something. And I'm just like, get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Six feet. I, I can't say that I that even crossed my mind watching this film. I think it's probably because I don't really interact with humans at all. So, like, just the idea of, uh, you know, thinking, oh, these people should be should be wearing masks. It's kind of like, what people? <laughs> what are these people doing outside? <laughs> yeah. So we haven't really talked about the, uh, I guess, triple threat of uh, Michael Pena, T.I., and David Desmalkin. Oh. As is, yeah. Uh, ex-con buddies right well i guess louise is an ex-con not sure about the other two offhand but because i feel like on some level like they make the movie for me yeah same like i love that trio there's just something about michael pena he's just never not funny to me and there's just something really understated about david dust Malkian. Did did anybody else get really strong rockabilly vibes from David Desmalchian? Like I have expected him to have a bunch of face tattoos. <laughs> uh, so he said that his idea for the character was that he was born and raised in a town even further out than Siberia and was just an amazing computer wizard who fell in with the wrong people. But he was obsessed with two things, Saturday Night Fever and Elvis Presley. <laughs> and some polyester shirts unbuttoned too far and the hair in that pompadour. The hair, it's just oh, nice. hair like Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash. It is that exact look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like that was intentional. But yeah, I just don't know if it'd be the same movie without those three. Oh yeah, I liked Michael Pena's little explanations of <laughs> things, <laughs> like little stories about how he'd found out information. Uh, and I really like how the yeah. 
flashbacks sync to his narration, <laughs> like the lip sync. Yeah, and he's always doing something that like you wouldn't quite expect him to be doing, like going to an art show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Rothko. The joke about Neo Cubism. <laughs> yeah, the Rothko. <laughs> That was the Stan Lee cameo. This movie, oh, right? Yeah. It was in one of those yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. I mean, there's a couple cameos and some like background references, like um, the hotel that Scott stayed at is the Milgram Hotel. It's presumably named after Al Milgram, who worked on West Coast Avengers a whole bunch. Um, at one point, Ant Man gets sucked up by not just any vacuum, but by a Kirby vacuum which presumably is meant to be a reference to Jack Kirby. Darren Cross at one point describes Hank Pym's Ant-Man story as Tales to Astonish, which is the name of the book that Hank or uh, that Ant-Man first debuted in. And then I think my favorite one is that when Ant-Man lands on the car outside initially and then grows to big size, the driver of the car is Garrett Morris. I saw that Saturday Night Live. Hmm. who's in the movie because in an old SNL sketch, he played Ant-Man. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Wow. <laughs> that is a deep cut. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think that's why I like it so much is because it's such a deep cut. <laughs> I just figured he was around set one day and they're like, yeah, you could be the cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked a little bit about the quantum realm stuff. So I know a little bit about what's coming up in the MCU. Was this like place setting going on here? Did they know that they were going to eventually use that? I mean, I don't want to necessarily spoil things coming up, but no, I don't think so. Um, I think part of it was that they were kind of interested in what in the Marvel comics is called the microverse, but mm. I think that's actually like a registered trademark of Hasbro or something. So they couldn't call it that. So they called it the quantum realm instead. Mm. And I think, it was partly that and partly they were interested in like, well, if you got really small, what would that mean? If you got really big, well, we'll maybe deal with that later. You know, just size change stuff. Um, that said, I don't think I don't think this is laying plans for the future down the line at all. Oh. Maybe a little bit for Ant-Man, oh. too. Just, yeah. I mean, with the search yes. for Janet yes, Van Dyne. Sorry. But that's certainly true. But as far as like Avengers three and four. Yeah, I don't sure. Think so. Well, I agree. Were there any scenes that we haven't talked about so far that you all really liked? I thought like the whole climax heist scene in general like was just fantastically done. I mean, that's kind of a large chunk of stuff consisting of many scenes. But uh, I think especially Louise posing as a security guard, just so many good moments there. <laughs> I like how he tied the guy's like ankle where he's with whistling a cable. small world. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, after he knocks out that security guard and ties his ankles with what I believe to be Ethernet cable, from (laughs) what I could tell. And then he goes back for him. I loved that they had that detail that he goes back for the guy. He's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I can't. (laughs) He goes and saves his life. That strikes me as something that was added in post production. Like, someone at Disney watched this and was like, oh, crap, that guy died. We have to show (laughs) that they went back to get him out. Cinema Sins is going to kill us for this one. (laughs) I really. I think and I enjoyed it more this time than than maybe the others. But I really enjoy when he when uh, Scott Lang is like first going through the throes of becoming Ant-Man and like 
there are just a lot of like funny little like scenes and stuff where like you know he's small so like obviously Luis has no idea that he's in the the bathroom with him he's like i don't want to see that and then he's like running around and then i love when he's just like he goes back to like regular size on top of the the car and the guy's like what the heck is going on like i don't know i just i really enjoy that like just kind of playing around with uh with the suit and just like figuring out like he has no clue of like what's going on and kind of gets freaked out i think paul rudd does a really great job in that we haven't talked about it i don't think that much but um abby rider fortson who plays cassie is like freaking adorable in like the best way like such good casting yeah it's unusual to get a child actor who can act well and they definitely did an excellent job with her and it was like two front teeth missing at the exact right moment you're filming (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, so i pretty much adored like all her scenes yeah like when she's like i hope you don't catch him or something like that that was (laughs) yeah Like, She's I just so love sad. that, like, she's savvy, you know? We talked about the the playset action sequence at the end, but there's a couple of other ones that I really like, too. There's the section with the, the scale model of, I don't know, was it the facility that they were in? That yeah. They're shooting at it, and it's destroying the model, and he's navigating his way through it. I tried to, like, make a call out to, like, something bigger that's not actually happening that might have happened, like, in an Avengers movie. Like, these cities being destroyed or, like, trains derailing on the opposite side of that i kind of liked their fight inside the briefcase yeah it's like a zero g like they're jumping through keys uh shoot disintegration by the cure i think is playing during it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that uh, album yeah i like the end of that sequence where it's just and here's some family just you know enjoying time together outside boom superhero fight It all yeah. starts yeah. when a briefcase lands in their pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And really, the whole Baskin-Robbins sequence, that's also great. Oh, yeah. Actually, that was, I think, the highlight of the movie for me. It's a shame that it came so early, but... <laughs> that was the highlight for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was what I was saying. He wanted more Paul Rudd and uh, more jokiness, so... <laughs> oh, I guess. I was really hoping that Greg Turkington was going to play a pivotal role. <laughs> entirety of the movie you mean like they actually train him to be a a crook or whatever maybe he just like during the climax he kicks down the door and tackles yellow jacket saving scott lang's daughter (laughs) (laughs) why are you here just making a delivery (laughs) i was thinking more like he decides not to fire paul rudd and it's just a workplace comedy (laughs) baskin robbins (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if he wouldn't have been if uh, if he wouldn't have been fired, like you know, this it would well, have been you know was was that part of the conspiracy? Like, did he? Did, I, I uh, got to assume. Like, how else do you think uh, Turkington found out that Paul Rudd was a criminal? You know, an ex-con. He was probably tipped off by Hank Pym, or you know, like a a string of like five people between him and Hank Pym, but. Mm-hmm. You'd have to believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, I guess it, he's shown to be good at leaking information subtly. <laughs> I mean, unless you really think that Baskin Robbins has eyes and ears everywhere, and yeah, there's nothing you can hide from them. I mean, how was he to know that that that's how that manager would react? Though he could have been like, uh, "Sweet, um, 
you did the time. Uh. <laughs> Probably had some ants watching, and uh, if it didn't work, he would just, you know, grease his palm and. Oh yeah, he probably paid him. Yeah, he yeah. paid him anyway. But yeah, the truth is that ants were watching in every one of these scenes. That's that's the weird thing for me. I don't like ants watching me. <laughs> <laughs> At all times. At all times. Yeah. This movie really reminds you that you're never far away from them. Yeah. <laughs> and their cameras. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes the ants are protecting your privacy. <laughs> <laughs> when they're on the camera, yeah. Yeah. They have the power for good and evil. You're right, Paul. <laughs> it's how you wield the ants. <laughs> I discovered while waiting to be invited to this Skype uh, session that there is a series of Ant-Man shorts on Disney+. Plus. Each are two minutes long, and the stakes of each episode are as high as uh, Ant-Man spilling soup on himself in one episode. <laughs> and trying to help Cassie win her science fair. So if you want to waste, let's see, six episodes, two minutes each, 12 minutes of your life, you know, <laughs> a thing you could look into. Uh, I would like to suggest that if you would like to waste 12 minutes of your life, you should watch the Anyone Can Quantum uh, video with uh, Paul Rudd, Stephen Hawking, and Keanu Reeves. Oh, if we're talking about videos to watch with Paul Rudd, there is, I don't want to even call it a trailer. I guess maybe it was part of the ad campaign for this movie where it's just uh, Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd doing ham bone solos and shouting ants directly into the camera that was used during the campaign for Ant-Man. Highly recommended. I mean, as long as we're recommending Paul Rudd videos, I know we've already done it on the podcast, but. Everyone should watch Celery Man. I think Celery Man is my absolute favorite, Paul Rudd. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say Mac and Me. At least that little clip. (laughs) (laughs) That is also worth watching. (laughs) That compilation still online somewhere. Like every time he's done it to Conan. (laughs) Well, lots of fun links for the blog. Uh, Yeah, ultimately, what did you think of this movie? Would you cover up the camera with ants and let it escape to help you with a super exciting heist? Or would you leave it to rot in a jail cell until charges are pressed and you go to trial and you know, all the things that are involved in such important <laughs> deals. You could always post uh, bail, you know, okay. I guess it's possible. Regardless, how many Antonies out of 10 would you give this movie? <laughs> Like I covered earlier, it's it's the perfect palate cleanser movie after all of the excitement of Phase 2. I think Paul Rudd does excellently. The cast as a whole does a, a very good job. Uh, I love the low stakes. I'd probably give this 8.5 Antonies out of 10. So what's the half an Antony? Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I was, I was a little torn. In thirds. Well, uh, he his wing fell off, so like <laughs> there must be a half Antony hanging out there somewhere. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> somewhere his abdomen's just hanging out. He made it. I bet the bullet perfectly separated just that one wing, and he's living happily somewhere. Flying in circles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm too old for this. See you later. <laughs> I'm retired. I think I'm going to Google how long do ants live. I'm, oh, I'm looking up how long do ants live. The answer is forever. Oh. <laughs> As a collective. 
<laughs> oh, a black dart ant can live for 15 years. Hey. Wow. Um, I'm I'm gonna agree with Kevin on this. I I also like the low stakes. I like that it's a little different. It's a heist movie. Paul Rudd's great. The writing, I think, in general is really good, particularly the dialogue level of the writing. It's just very enjoyable. And I like how it uh expands the Marvel universe sort of like low key. It's not like the big appearance of Vision in Age of Ultron. It's just like, oh yeah, also Hank Pym's around. He was doing stuff. So I really like that. I don't necessarily know what I would change, but it doesn't quite reach like the highest of the high levels for me. But I think it's a really enjoyable movie for what it sets out to do. And I think looking just at my other ratings, I'm going to give this also an 8.5 Antony's. The point five is just an ant. So yeah, just an enjoyable film for me. That's going to put it around like Iron Man three. And that feels about right. So, uh, I think I actually like this film more than, uh, I liked it when I saw it in theaters originally. It, it had a lot of, uh, funny bits and a lot of emotional bits and, you know, well acted throughout it. It paints, uh, terrifying vision of a world in which jeff bezos is uh, an evil supervillain, <laughs> so it's a little yeah. bit relatable and yeah i think eight and a half uh antony's out of ten with uh, the half being uh just one of the little ants uh crazy ants or the yeah i think the, i think the right. little i think the little ones were the crazy ants right mm-hmm. i think so okay Kind of going back and forth after hearing all of you <laughs> like give your own, which probably isn't your, your own ratings, which probably isn't the best way to rate a movie. Uh, when I finished uh, the film, I, I I'm gonna stick with that. Um, I was leaning toward nine, so I'm gonna give it nine. Antony's right? Is that the? That's right, Antony. Huh? That's right, Antony. We're giving oh. it Antony's. Antony's, yeah. So I'm gonna give it nine. I. Uh, nine Antonies. I I really do like this movie, and um, I just like Paul Rudd. I like all the the actors in this, and I think that uh, it does a really great job of having the comedic value, I guess, and then as well as some really great action. And uh, for me, that's kind of a, a perfect storm for for a good good movie. So I'll give it nine. As I spoiled in the beginning of the podcast, I love Ant-Man. It has like all, almost all the elements of what I like to see in just about any movie in like an almost perfect mixture. You know, it's got a lot of humor, but it's not, you know, it, the stakes aren't high, but they're not zero. I feel like the characters are like care about them. And, you know, Paul Rudd's awesome. Michael Pena's hilarious. You know, I, I thought that in general, it's just it kind of like utilizes like the the, you know, big shrinking, getting bigger kind of action brought a creativity that I thought was pretty cool. And Paul Rudd's relationship with his daughter is great. And I really liked seeing that kind of family aspect as well. So I think I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this a nine point five out of uh, ten. Antony's. Oh, oh wow! Good yeah, job, I love, Yeah, I like I like Ant Man. That's a that's a perfect nine point five, isn't it? Oh no, I guess it, I guess you gave Guardians oh, a ten. Oh. This is first nine point five though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, second only to Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's that's good. 
All right, Charlie, twist the knife. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I will spit my drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kevin put it really well when he said that it's kind of a good palate cleanser in a sense to a lot of the other Marvel movies we've been watching that are all very high stakes. And this is, has a sort of fun, self-contained story, which I really enjoyed. I love the miniature set pieces that they use. I think all of the fight scenes are really fun and clever. There wasn't a lot in the movie either that I usually I have a couple of moments where I'm like, well, you know, why do they put this in or why did that put in that in? And besides Evangeline Lily's hair, I don't think <laughs> why is shield here? <laughs> yeah. I didn't really think I had a lot of moments. Couldn't he have this. just found the Ant Man suit in the basement? He did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give this 8.5 Anthony's out of 10. I, the first thing on my list of things that I liked about the movie was Paul Rudd, all in (laughs) capital letters with an exclamation mark after it. Of course, I always kind of wonder what this would have been like had Edgar Wright stayed on the whole time, but I can't detract from the movie because I want it to be something different. Well, I can. I often do that, but not today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling generous today. 8.5. A perfect 11 out of 10. (laughs) So, so two two things. Charlie, did you give it, did you rate it in Anthony's? He did. (laughs) Yeah. You notice because that's your name. (laughs) 8.5 Tony's. (laughs) Anthony Starks. (laughs) And, And the second thing is, what does pim technologies make what does this company do <laughs> they're not shrinking things money i i assume they're they're day traders <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured it was like microchips or something like that and the, i mean they the had PIM some particle stuff was like a side project given that data center they're like they were doing some sort of serious big data stuff maybe you sure i don't know it's 2015 maybe it was just a bitcoin farm ah <laughs> uh, the classic uh, idle your car so that you can make money <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for joining us on the 50th installment of the mary marvel movie march that still kind of blows my mind that's so cool i'm like super yeah. pumped it's awesome. but we're gonna move on three whole weeks whoa to our final Ooh. 2015 movie our 51st installment in the Mary Marvel movie march is the movie I will forever insist on calling Fant Forstick. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Times uh, Sexiest Man Alive for the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of 2020. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Who? Michael B. Jordan. Oh. Time or People? Oh, what's ever one of those magazines that people don't really actually get anymore? Yeah, Whichever one rates sexy Ben. <laughs> uh, oh, the one where what was it? I think it's you're right. People, I think it's people. Guys. It's people. Yeah. It's people. It's people. Yeah. <laughs> I got. So I got the real people right head. Here. Was that I where they the did? Real... Yeah, because like last year was uh, Blake Sheldon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sheldon. Oh. <laughs> young I think young right. Sheldon. Isn't that the guy from The Voice? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the other guy. nice thing about Fan Forstick is we get to bring up um, Tony's story about how he cat called Miles Teller again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
We can. I can actually bring that up on uh, YouTube. It's still there. <laughs> Do we need to download it? So but, it uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, start but in the meantime, URL, Tony, I'll get it. <laughs> thanks for joining us. This John is our, last year, by the way. This is most likely our uh, last. I'm trying to wrap up here, guys. I, this is most likely our last Mary Marvel movie march of 2020, and unless the year repeats, I guess I shouldn't jinx it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think next time we might uh, actually take a break. Maybe we'll have one of our sister podcasts on to discuss wings. I think that's in the offing. Um, but that, that's in the future, something to look forward to. Uh, for now, this concludes this episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks to our uh, three Anthony guests and one Anthony guest, <laughs> Tony Huff. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Paul Wilcox. It was great as always. Kevin Vredevogue. Had a blast. Thanks for having me. And Doug Gobeski. So if this is after the conclusion, does that make us the little audience treats for those who stick around? Yeah, this is while the credits are rolling and they're still showing footage, like the audience, like conversing. That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report. And you can also follow us on Twitter at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallsreport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there. So if you remember one thing, remember that. Not your name, but GobeskyWallaceReport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. But instead, they just double down. Yep. Mm, double huh. down. I always got it sand sauce. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's just cheese, chicken, and bacon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a double down we're talking about. <laughs> you gotta get the kernel sauce. Come on. No, well, I choose not to double down on that. I, I mean. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but the the very worst food poisoning of my entire life was from a KFC double down. So <laughs> maybe maybe getting no sauce is the right the right decision. There. The worst yeah. uh, the worst food poisoning of my life came from Holden Hall. So oh, wow. <laughs> ah. mine, mine was, was Red Robin. Robin. Oh, good, we're all sharing. I love this. Mine was from <laughs> a smoked salmon bow. In Houston, Texas, immediately oh. before Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh! <laughs> I almost crapped myself at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> See, Charlie, he tied it in. You got to keep this whole segment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Charlie? Oh, yeah. My yeah. worst was we had just done a lot of painting in our house. Car's mom had come over and we'd repainted all of the walls and we had ordered some pizza. And yeah, that was definitely the worst. That was like almost two days. Yeah, there's just pizza or it could have been breadsticks. But we know that's what it was because that's what Cara's mom didn't eat, right? Oh, Cara and I both got sick and she didn't. Oh, I also have a good food poisoning story for Endgame if I'm invited back for that podcast. So, (laughs) oh, teaser. Yeah. Yeah. For the future. What? Why do you have so many? Uh, I don't know. Marvel centric <laughs> tend to gravitate towards the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, like Mar- 
Marvel centric uh, <laughs> food poisonings. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, uh, do you have a good food poisoning uh, story? You know, I I I got intestinal. I got like a stomach virus or something once. I don't think I've ever gotten like real food poisoning. Oh, I, I got a stomach virus, but I don't know where from. That's what I spent. That's when I spent my last. That was Thanksgiving, uh, twenty. 19 i spent the whole time at home so i was preparing for covid times <laughs> <laughs> spending thanksgiving entirely alone in yeah, and out of the bathroom uh, <laughs> it's been canceled this year so you don't have to worry about food poisoning unless you give yeah. it to yourself yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, you have no one to blame it could still it could still happen i mean you got nothing but time you might as well utilize it <laughs> <laughs> can't think of a better use of my time <laughs>